Okay, so thank you so much for your resonances. What I'm doing now is I'm sending um, parts of an outline that I have on yellow so that you could just have a listen. And these would just end up in the website for us to go over on the Zoom calls. And I'm hoping you have more space now to take things in. Um, I'm trying to make these shorter than usual, just so um, you can free up the rest of your time to um, go about your own life and spiritual journey. So, um, the yellow is entitled, What is Your Dream? And Dana Dance has a lot to say about this. It, it took a journey into itself to arrive at an understanding of inner dance as a dream time. Um, and we have to thank the bodies for that, that have conducted um, an awareness of awareness of itself coming into its own self-awareness. Bringing up the fast and the slow once more. Yesterday I spoke about the autonomic nervous system. That in fact, the language of the sun and the moon and the darkness and the light, which all living beings are exposed to bring about a kind of system, an autonomic or automatic system that kind of knows what it's doing. Like ever since it got here, it knew when to sleep, it knew when to focus, it knew when to digest, and then it knew when to go into a learning process. In this, we are quite old, and there's a dance between the extremes that comes into a balancing out in those certain moments, especially in between moments, <laughs> um, when something just expands and allows us to perceive the world uniquely in a mode of the transcendent or the traversal, it's like um, just seeing it all, like a totality and singular moments. So when I talk about the four dream times to help us layer out an awareness of dream that isn't just a five-letter word, um, what is your dream? can be quite a sticky inquiry. Um, a lot of people are quite attached to signs and affirmations the world might speak that um, illuminates what is our dream. There's something in the spiritual world whereby we, we make the dream, we construct it, 
And so just a very active asking, something kind of pushes away our power of dreaming when in fact it is up to us, but a much larger us to create the conditions where the dreams become manifest. And so beyond the question, what is your dream? There's a larger one that looms, which is what is dream at all? Um, it's just like those questions, who are you, differentiated with what are you? Um, when we come into awareness of how dreaming happens, we become the dreamers. At the same time, we realize that we're just dreaming of ourselves as well. And this can be the more enabling. Um, when we look at the system of interpreting dreams, the book first written by Sigmund Freud, we were quite interested in the meaning-making of it all. Like, um, what does this symbol mean? When I see that image recursively again and again, does it mean something deep? What is it in representation of? Inside this spiritual awakening, it's like the universe itself becomes curious of its own structure. And somewhere underneath your interest in the symbologies of your thought, the universe becomes interested in functionality pattern recognition is important in that way because symbols come and go in the flowing of information form isn't so much form anymore um, it is eternally shaped in contiguity by the last moment and how we keep reacting to it and there's a way of holding ourselves beneath just the symbols. Um, like to give an example, you know, like when you're exposed to the image of a sunflower or a dove or a cloud, and then you suddenly juxtapose that with an image of a starving child from Africa, or a gruesome murder. These are mere images, but we react to them just as we do in the dream world. And that is what the autonomic nervous system kind of does. Based on what we see, um, our acid or pH alkaline levels go up and down we start to emanate certain brainwave frequencies without our conscious control. Our breath goes into shallow um, rates or our heartbeat palpitates unnecessarily without us having to make decisions from an internal place. So we've been learning to regulate 
these more and more. And it's something science is approaching that is really quite spiritual as well, is understanding the altered state or the expanded perception of which is mentioned in the Brain of History talk by Catherine Malibu, whereas she witnesses the event of the losing of consciousness of the human as we become geological agents or becoming like Earth. There's something happening in our brains in the altered way of understanding time and space that belongs to our generation now. And so what inner dance kind of holds special is a growing understanding of the autonomic nervous system that could very much be coordinated with the sciences in neurology and psychology and the biological sciences and genetic sciences, it starts to um, celebrate the very consciousness that we've been avoiding for quite some time now. It, it's as if we lacked insight and feedback on what seemed a losing of control in the epileptic and the aphasic and the more we come to understand what actually is there we're invited to lose our consciousness precisely because it is in the losing of consciousness that we gain an authentic mind an authentic seeing and perceiving um, process so there are four dream times that have been experienced again and again and have come into the understanding of human reflexivity and it's in the vocabularies of time and space where this becomes clear um, when is it that one time traverses another when one moment simply isn't just that moment but becomes an intersection of many pasts and futures represented by the single point. And it's very important to look at these because we recognize the same patterns of slow and fast in all of them. Seemingly that the big and small or the part and the whole find a meeting point where there doesn't seem to be that much difference when the wall separating them collapse. Um, when is it that time isn't so much time anymore? What is the becoming space of time? I spoke a little bit about these in maybe one of the Zoom calls and one of the audio sharings, but let's outline them now. One of them is the near-death experience, the NDE, wherein a life review happens. 
in a split second, my entire existence flashes before, before my very eyes is a common occurrence across cultures. Um, the other notable is the REM sleep. It's that curious thing in the dream where so much happens in condensation in a small moment when something epic seemed to be just there a moment ago. You must have some memories of sleeping for a short amount of time, but upon waking, retrieving almost like a lifetime worth of existence. And, and sometimes it's not even so much you, but you were someone else altogether. You, you didn't look the same, nor did you speak or conduct the same actions that emanate from you. Uh, the third is the spiritual awakening. And when you get exposed to multicultural explosions, either in groups or individuals who just get there. The breakthrough, which is sometimes like a breaking apart, they're, they're just not there anymore. It, it, it's like you, you see them there, but they, they are traversing the now. They're, they're, they're not just there. They're, they're, they're working through yesterday as they're working through what the present moment anticipates in the next, next, next. Um, and then the fourth would be the psychedelic experience. The ingestion of a psychoactive substance that sends stimulant and depressant chemistries, the downers and the uppers, that slows down an aspect and speeds something up. Consequently, bringing about in the span of an hour a storytelling session with the cosmos where it's as if the everything that happens to one person seems to be interconnected somehow with an intergalactic milieu something to do with the body at the same time mm. so there are many explorations and studies of these people have subjected themselves to shamanic um, magical wild possibilities of opening things up and one must have confidence backed by a lexicon uh, like volumes of having have experienced these in order to um, 
develop an intuitive way of holding a room that opens the doorways of perception. We can go over the notes of it, and I'm still in a journey of understanding what are the right mediums. Because the specifics are quite clear. Um, let me start with the number one, which is the near-death experience. The research is actually quite sparse. There's not that many scientists who are allowed to study the NDE, the near-death experience. Um, they would be ridiculed for trying to fuse insights that belong to religion with the neurosciences. It's just not something you do if you would like to keep your professorial tenure, your university position, your research grant. But there are some who would dare, who would have the gall and have done so. And I've actually met a couple. But there, there's one researcher in particular, I haven't met him, I haven't written to him yet. Um, his name is Dr. Kevin Nelson. He hails from the Midwest, U.S. of A. And um, it's his research that I've seen that speaks in her dance the most in terms of slow and fast and time and space. His observation is really, really simple. And I had to speak about the autonomic nervous system yesterday in order to even get to this point in the conversation. Um, okay, so the sympathetic nervous system is fight or flight or freeze. It's terror or intense excitement when we speed things up. And these are activated by the neurotransmitters, cortisol, noradrenaline, epinephrine, dopamine. It's the activation of the body that's used to danger or is needing to focus because there are deadlines and there are pressures. Um, so it's our internal caffeine when we need to awaken. Our body has developed many ways to activate the sympathetic nervous system or the SNS for short. Um, so people who live in very seasonal climates that have winters, they are trained to activate this almost by will. It's a default mechanism because you cannot live in such places, you know, in the temperate climates, you can't just relax. You need to put away food for the winter. You need to plan things really well, unlike in the tropics, where you can just take it for granted that there's um, stuff to gather and hunt, whether it be animal or plant food. Um, so in the tropics, the sympathetic, the parasympathetic, nervous system which is the rest and digest is more dominant and so people come from uh, places of war or 
places of extreme conditions, when they move to gentler places in the world, there's an adjustment period where they kind of release certain brain waves to go with the sympathetic nervous system. So I need to mention this just to keep making differentiations, um, allowing us to be aware that we have these mechanisms of slow and fast that we take for granted, um, which is regulated by something as simple as the body clock. It, it's the circadian rhythm, so the 24-hour cycle of night and day. So, you know, like when they study the nature of the body now, literally there is a time of the day where you could do better in an exam um, you could get cancer more. Um, it, it's like there are certain brainwave mixes when you are more susceptible or you're more invulnerable to threats depending on when your guard is up and when your walls are down. So the near-death experience is maybe the more extreme way of understanding this. Take the hypothetical situation that you're about to die. You just got into a life-threatening, um, near-fatal accident where you're losing a lot of blood, you broke some limbs, and you're powerless. Let's say you're alone and there's no ambulance, there's no human intervention to save you, then you go into this panic mode. Your heart would palpitate and your your white blood cell count, your your immune system, your 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 heart would need to pulse so that your cardiovascular flow would direct as much necessary resources where it's needed to keep you alive um, it goes into this hyperdrive so it's sympathetic nervous system at its most extreme now according to the research of Kevin Nelson the life review doesn't actually happen in many cases of death at least as far as people can remember, those who have come back to tell the tale. Um, the near-death experience, according to his research, happens when the sympathetic nervous system is at its height, and then suddenly there's a surrender mode. Like, um, it's not really just so much a giving up. It, it's more of a giving way, a realization, a, a wisdom somehow from within that says, okay, it's the end and I'm ready. So for some reason, in the height of excitement and terror, there's this white flag energy. It's like, something just relaxes because what else could you do anyway and and as 
something slows down and something's been sped up so fast just a moment ago suddenly there's like an opening where time just explodes into an energy ball where everything that's ever been seen and heard and felt becomes seeable, feelable, hearable. So taking this very simple notion of slow and fast, exactly the same neurological construct is present when people take psychedelic drugs, just like book shared her experience of the ayahuasca ceremony. Um, the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system act exactly in the same way in an inner dance workshop, in REM sleep, in the kundalini rising or the spiritual awakening. Time perception is what shifts every time super cold and super warm starts to meld together. This is what I mean about night and day or a super rainy um, moment is also witnessing the super hot sunshine bearing down on a confused body that's not used to an eclipse, solar or lunar. That's how old the conditioning is, because you cannot escape light and day. And when you live in those places in the world where light and day are weird in December and then in July, there's a kind of rhythm that is set, which is what the autonomic nervous system is about. The very notion of autonomy or automaticity in us is just really that old. So when Catherine Malibu in The Brain of History speaks about the becoming geological of the human, like the becoming earth of man, um, th this is what it means. This is what addictions mean. This is what brain patterns Hold. It, it's as simple as that. Um, what took hundreds of million years to condition takes just a moment to break open in the NDE or in the psychedelic or the spiritual awakening or the REM state. And, and so it's not actually that rare or it's not difficult to get there despite how hard people work at the moment of arrival mm. because it's every day <laughs> it, it's it's inbuilt that adjustment process that we have in fact definitely been pushing away when this moment comes alive this then becomes diagnosable as schizophrenia multiple personality disorder bipolar, autism, um, insanity, um, 
and so on and so forth. What we're being given here is the, it's not the mechanism, it's the awareness of the mechanism that is always at work. And it's almost as if the human being had learned to separate the two. That we, we know when it's time to relax and slow down. And we know when it's time to speed up. But was there ever a time when there was a polychronic, high-low context mentality where maybe we didn't need to do yoga because the body was always an inner dance and exactly the asana or the kriya or the mudra that was needed at the moment was being spoken in very raw gestures because we haven't created so much the bilobe brain where language and spirit would be measurably distant and far apart from each other. Um, so it does sound really, really simple, and, and it is. This is simply the work that we do. Um, conducting dream time seen through these four modalities of time perception um, could bring about a spiritual scientific elaboration on the heightened state of consciousness. Um, there will be much more to this and I don't want to talk about the circadian rhythms without having vocabulary elements to um, go into hyper-priming modes with you. Um, I can't create hyperlinks in our conversations with each other if I keep dropping terms which aren't defined yet, part by part, piece by piece, so that the puzzle could make clicking noises. Um, now, going back to the music, like what is the music? Understanding then the different evolutions in the inner dance playlist. As I spoke it two days ago, the inner dance playlist began with the juxtaposition and contiguity, where each song didn't really touch each other. Um, it's not just that, like the interesting song jumps that um, created these trigger mechanisms so that people were going deep in really unexpected ways. And that surprised a lot of people because normally when you jump from, let's say, electronic dance music to a classical piece by Johann Sebastian Bach, um, and then you jump into something by Pink Floyd or Guns N' Roses, uh, it, it is very strange for people. And, and there was, in fact, like a great attachment to it so that many inner dance communities in the world are still using this contiguous um, 
vibratory jumping from one genre to another. So there's a, a law or a kind of rule inner dance facilitators kind of intuitively discover on their own. It's, it's the law of contrast. Um, contraposto, I think, is a, a painting technique from the Baroque period where such extremes would be seen both in music and in art where shadow and light would be polarizing each other, making each other more distinct. Um, and in the brain process, um, a lot of it has to do with the rewiring of the dopaminergic pathways. Basically, dopamine is the satisfaction and addiction drug so that every time we eat or drink or even think about something that would give us pleasure, there would be this neurotransmitter that would enter the attention, memory, motor functions, and emotional gateways of our minds, that we would feel good, be physically strong, be in remembrance of all the past moments where this was good too, and then we would be able to focus so that when we're not getting those dopamine hits, we would feel weak, confused, um, emotionally down and in a non-remembrance mode, in a, a place of forgetting. But what inner dance does when it jumps from one song to the next is it reroutes dopamine from going into what's called the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, the nucleus accumbens, the amygdala, and the hippocampus. It's basically rerouted to, you know, the the hole at the back of Neo's head in the movie The Matrix. It's what in many traditions is called the seat of consciousness, where there, there's like an opening at the back of the head, uh, an extension of the third eye or the pineal gland, where at the, the nape there's an assemblage point um, doorways to perception somehow has been held there for the Mayans, for the Indians, for, for a lot of ancient cultures we knew something is there. So sometimes when you're laying down um, and you, when you feel that open, um, sometimes it's preceded by your head hurting and feeling like it wants to explode and then suddenly you've kind of just lost it and you're, you're you're, you're, you're six feet underground. Um, sometimes you don't need to be laying down. It just feels like your awareness is behind your head or, or your, your eyes are seeing from behind your eyes where you've lost willful control. And it's just like you're witnessing what's happening as your body just begins to move by itself as if something is in control the moment you gave it up. Um, so this is a simple mechanism of inner dance, the rerouting of dopaminergic addictive pathways that were conditioned by right and wrong, good or bad, true or false, 
up and down things that a child was exposed to that could include hot and cold that then is um, very definitely operating um, focus and relaxation modes in the mind and we almost need to reintegrate beginning with the disintegration process the that dopaminergic cycle um, and it could be confusing indeed to be activating uppers and downers at the same time that event which is reserved for when you're about to die and you just went into surrender mode or when you're dreaming and that's usually allowable when you know the lions are asleep out there and the dinosaurs aren't going to get you because everyone is in energy conservation when the sun is down and it doesn't make sense to be in energy consumption and energy conversation um, so this is what we mean by base level or fundamental ways of understanding the human we we like to think of our thoughts and we like to psychoanalyze our thinking processes but so much of what we think about is dependent on what our hearts tell us and that is why there's so much wisdom and how in antiquity the Egyptians and the Greeks thought that the actual brain was the heart because of a lack of understanding of what this gray matter was doing in our heads there were many cultures where it was forbidden to do autopsy so we didn't we didn't look so much at what was inside the sacred human body but because there's a lot of warmth that emanates from the treasure inside the chest that's pulsing um, we used to think that our thinking process started there in the heart in effect when you understand brain breath and blood's relationality in a way the brain is actually the heart in that way because a lot of the brain waves from delta theta alpha beta gamma mu and the sensory motor rhythms the hertz levels the slow and fast pacing of our minds are directed by our heartbeats a lot of which is where our reactivities come from and so when we lose our internal locus of control and when we regulate our realities based on what other people say outside of us when we're so programmed by the manifestations of the mother and the father and peers and friends and enemies um, our, our minds will think what it does and this is inner dance's gift to repeat some basic notions i spoke about yesterday um, when we invite people to lay down and come under exposure um, it's almost like the music attacks people 
but when they are not afraid, even as they allow themselves to be terrified, the autonomic nervous system then is healed through a reprogramming of these hormonal and neurotransmitting pathways. Um, and so there's something about these new minds, these crazy brilliant minds that don't really understand the differences between light and dark anymore. This is what inner dance brings. This is the common sharing people have that somehow I'm not so triggered anymore. Um, some, somehow what used to bother me isn't really making me run away anymore. Um, somehow there's an, an ability to confront things, not having to be through a doing process, but just a, a witnessing. Um, and then a traversal of time is at work where the present moment isn't just the present moment, but it's the old, 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 new, old moment where something is learned so much because it's been through it and, and isn't about to be petty or be victimized by what is never what it seems you know so yeah the four dream times i bring this up as vocabulary elements before we go into a discussion next week in the yellow as to circadian rhythms still maybe asking the question because it's just good to ask and it's something you can develop in your inner dance facilitation work now that we've tossed it over and over what is your dream